0: This is Unplugged, 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 Unplugged. Welcome to this episode of Unplugged. We have been talking about the subject of suffering. And for context, suffering according to God's will. This has been a very interesting series. It has been very Eye opening for me personally as well. There's been a lot of things that I've had to learn on the fly. I, when this was this kind of talk or message was first put on my heart, I did not envision that we would go, you know, eleven episodes deep on this subject. But it's a subject that. It is not very fun to talk about. Not a lot of people are talking about it in Christian circles because right now uh, most congregations, most gatherings, all they're talking about is the God of breakthrough. But sometimes when you're going through some trials and temptations and tough times, sometimes when you call for help, it's the God of get through. That picks up the phone. Now we've talked about the context that you need to understand how this the this, this suffering according to God's will, but our sufferings can be put in different contexts. So far, we 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 looked at job suffering, which was a loyalty test, a test of loyalty. Uh, I say the job was nominated for a medal of honor. He was the strongest kind of like soldier that God could send out to the battlefield to contend with Satan. And he passed the test. It was painful, but God was faithful to him as well. He gave him double, returned twice his possessions. Uh, the 10 kids that Job had lost, Job had a new set of seven sons and a new set of three daughters. We also talked about a suffering. Sometimes we can go through suffering due to disobedience. The first time that we see humankind end up on suffering street was through disobedience, Adam and Eve. And a scripture that we also looked at was from Psalm 119 that talks about before I went astray, I was afflicted no before I was afflicted I went astray so that is Psalms 119 verse 67 says before I was afflicted I went astray but now I have kept thy word and the psalmist goes on in verse 71 to say it is good for me that I have been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes now When you go through suffering, it can be a lonely place. Sometimes we tend to think that, like Jesus said in the, uh, cried on the cross. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, meaning my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But. In moments when you're going through suffering, it feels like the Lord is quiet. It feels like he's not talking. It feels like he's being, he's kind of stepped to the side. But, you know, the scriptures also talk about, he says, I'll be with you in trouble. Psalms 91. In Psalms 91, it talks about. I, when you call upon me, I will answer you and I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver you and honor you. And with long life, I will satisfy you and show you my great salvation. Now, of course, God is the person that we run to when we're going through affliction. He should be the one. But sometimes that delivery is not an immediate end to the suffering you're going through, to the trial. Sometimes it's a God who lifts you up out of the dust or out of the dang hill. As 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 9 says, he raises up the poor out of the dust and lifts up the beggar from the danghill to set them among princes. Sometimes it's a God who will tell you that when you pass through the fire, he says, When in Isaiah 43, he said, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire. You shall not be burned. He's not even making a provision for you to run through the fire. He's saying, when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon you. Psalms 23, though I walk. Again, we see another context of walking. It's not, it doesn't say though I run. Then not said, though I escape the valley. No, sometimes it's not a God who will bring a getaway car and, 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 and have you jump in and, 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 whisk you away from the trouble. No, it says, yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That is ultimately where God wants to get us to fear no evil. He says, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And we saw that Jesus was in a position where he did not want to drink the cup of suffering. In Luke 22, verses 41, it says he was a stone cast throwaway. He was a stone cast and kneeled down and prayed. Saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cap from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So he realized he has to go through this one. When he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. What happened? Says, And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. So backup was sent. Paul, in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, had the same problem. He said, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me. Lest I should be exalted above measure, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. Paul's attitude changed. He went from, that he might depart from me, and the Lord told him, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul's attitude changes just like Jesus and says most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Okay. Then he also talks about, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So it means that even when we're going through our sufferings, we do see the power of God manifest in that we are able to come out. It says, for when I am weak, then I am strong because some of the people who have no God, who, who, who can't tap into this power of Christ resting upon them, when they go through sufferings, that's the end. They, that they they, 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 they they perhaps can commit suicide. They can perhaps uh, renounce their faith or all hope is lost. We don't want to be that. Once we understand, why am I suffering? Why do I have to go through this? One of the things it has done for me personally is that it changes, it strengthens your faith because you go from thinking God has forsaken you Eli, Eli, Lama Shabaktani To no, you you're still here, but you allowing me to go through this. Sometimes we don't know all the answers, but for some context, we have looked at some different categories of sufferings. You know, job suffering, suffering due to disobedience, where you end up into situations because of your own disobedience. But then I say there's another kind of suffering, which is a character building suffering, you know, like Abraham. Uh, before Abraham did the loyalty test suffering, which is being asked to sacrifice his son, that pain, the time waiting for the birth of his first son, Isaac, that was a character building suffering. But actually, there was even one even before that, because God told Abraham, leave thy country, leave thy kindred, leave thy father's house. Basically, let go of your family. Go to a land that I will show thee. Well, bless you and make thy name great. And uh, so that was a character building suffering, being told to let go of what your comfort zone and being told to move into something you've never done before where you just have to walk by faith. You know, that was tough and you can see why because Abraham came with his dad. Abraham had been told don't come with your father. That's why God told him leave thy country, leave thy kindred, leave thy father's house. If God's going to tell you leave thy father's house, I'm get that that doesn't mean the physical location. You know, that is talking about leave the people. Leave thy father's house means leave your father too. But Abraham's father came along with him. And you can sense that they had never really done a transaction with God. So they had to be a character building there. What happened is they stopped in Haran on their way to the land of Canaan. And they camped out there. When Abraham's father, Terah, died, Abraham then said, okay, I guess... I gotta finish off the whole trip. So he eventually ended up in Canaan. When he got to Canaan, there was a famine. He packed up his bags and went south to Egypt. He lied so that he could protect his wife. Again, some self effort there. So you see these things were all character tests, but they are sufferings because when you read scripture, you're thinking a guy, one of the things that has really changed for me drastically is when you read scripture, try to put emotion and time, when you read it, it sounds like, okay, Abraham got to, um, to Canaan, to, to Canaan. It says there was a famine there because of that famine. Abraham was forced to move south. Now he, he had come with his family, man. He had come with his, nephew lot so just because in a few verses it says there was famine in the land and Abraham was forced to move south and Abraham moved south this all did not happen in one day no 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 no. we don't know how long he had to endure the famine until it was like I give up you know I'm going south uh, we don't know how much pressure he was under he was definitely under some pressure Maybe now the people that he had moved with, he had carried on this journey, were like, we don't have food here. Why don't we go back to Haran? What are we doing in this land? You brought us here and it's famine. So he was being tested. That was pain. That was suffering. We don't know how many, uh, uh, how long, you know, he was in in in, in Heron, I mean, in the land of Canaan. When he first arrived, trying to hold out until it was like, "This is bad. Let me go down to Egypt." Meanwhile, he was he went down to Egypt, a country that he had also never be, he had never really been to. So, when we read scripture, sometimes it's very easy for us to read because things happen in two pages. To think that that's one day's event, uh uh-uh. uh Sometimes it's years. So, we don't know if Abraham had to deal with this famine for three years. We I don't know how long, the scripture doesn't tell us, how long he was tested for. You know, until maybe the pressure got to him. Maybe it was a week, we don't know. Maybe it was a month, maybe it was a couple of years, maybe it was two years or three years. The point is, Abraham finds himself in, in, in a, a place where he had been told to get to by God and he runs into a famine. Now, the other thing you could ask is maybe if Abraham had arrived earlier, he wouldn't have needed to deal with the famine. Maybe if he had arrived two years earlier, three years earlier, he would have set up his crops, he would have established his family, maybe they would have uh, prepared themselves for the famine and God would have given them but anyways, by the time Abraham gets there, there is a famine. And I don't know how long he sticks it out before he decides to move to Egypt. So, we see God working with a man that He has never done business with, and trying to get His character in alignment. Okay. We also talked about destiny suffering. I so said this one is different because in this one, I said the best example can really think about it is like you leaving your house and going to work. What are you going to run into? Traffic. That's how you should think about it. Destiny suffering is like opposition. It, it's it's just it's just in the way between you and your destination or your destiny. So you know you 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 are not the one who has caused it but just because you're now moving towards destiny the forces of darkness forces of resistance are just standing in the way between you and destiny. So uh that's also an interesting one because Joseph started to pursue destiny. And for him to go from Canaan to to Egypt, um, the first destiny suffering he dealt with was betrayal by his own family. His brothers tried to kill him. And uh, one of the younger brothers talked them out of it and said, let's put him in a ditch for now. Let's hold up. Anyways, they came back. Uh, they eventually ended up selling him off as a slave. So it's not like Joseph was walking in disobedience or anything. There was opposition against him as he, as God revealed his plan to him and Joseph started to walk in that plan. So that's also a different kind of suffering. Um, we also talked about how when he got to his master's house, he was a slave. And he rose up the ranks and his master's wife, Potiphar's wife, tried to sleep with him. Joseph, because of his relationship with the Lord, said, how can I do this evil and sin against God? He said, my master has not withheld anything from me except you. So his master's wife didn't take very nice to being rejected. So she accused him of rape. Joseph was thrown into prison. He was in prison for two years until God's redemptive plan again fetched him out. How about David? David also, God decides to use a man. David decides to anoint him to become king. David, on the journey from shepherd to king, well, he has a success. At the beginning, he kills Goliath. David versus Goliath. We know that story. However, What happens is, after he kills Goliath, it brings in persecution. It brings in suffering. What kind of suffering? Well, now the king, who's no longer king, Saul, tries to kill David. Yet David just helped Saul. Saul becomes jealous because the women are singing, Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his ten thousands. Saul becomes jealous and tries to kill David. So David ends up running for his life. He spends, I believe, about 10 years because from the time David was anointed to become king to when he became king is a space of 13 years. So it was about 17 to 30 years when he ascended to the throne of, in Hebron. So he's in the caves of Adullam and all of this and all of that. So destiny sufferings. Um Moses had some character sufferings as well to go through. Unfortunately for him, they ended his journey prematurely and he was not able to take the children of Israel into the promised land. So then the other last category was Christ's sufferings. There are three kinds of sufferings that we see Jesus went through, resistance, persecution and submission. So that's where we are just going to kick off. uh I've just kind of given you somewhat of a summary of a recap. I like to do a recap. So we're just going to jump into these. And the scripture to set us off has been the context scripture. Our context scripture has been 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 19, which reads, Beloved it's talking about suffering it says beloved think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you we've read this a couple of times so right now if if, if you listen to this uh, i've explained through this passage of scripture but just to go over it again it says beloved think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though it says, as though some strange thing happened unto you. Okay, that's interesting. Why it says, but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. Okay, this is First Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 19. So it's telling us to rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers. In Christ's sufferings. So what are these sufferings? We've said we have resistance, persecution, and submission. And that's kind of what we're gonna go through. Okay. So it says, but rejoice inasmuch as you're partakers of Christ's sufferings. That when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Then he goes on to say, If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you, for the Spirit of glory, excuse me, for the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. Okay, so. It says, when we are reproached for the name of Christ, it says, happier we are." It says, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon us. It's almost like a badge of honor. Anytime you suffer for the name of Christ, you should count it joy. That's what the scriptures say. So, right now, when... I hear Christians talking about, oh, yeah, people are against us. People are against God. People are persecuting us for, you you know, the, uh, the name of Jesus and all these things. We actually shouldn't be sad because it says, if we're reproached for the name of Christ, happy should we be. It says, happy are you. It's so why for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon us. Because on their part, he's evil spoken of, but on our part, he's glorified. Says, but let none of you suffer as a matterer. So it's telling us as you're partaker of Christ's sufferings, watch out that you do not be a partaker of such manner of sufferings. Which ones? It says, let none of you suffer as a matterer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. You see, but let him glorify God on this behalf. It's talking about if you suffer as a Christian, you shouldn't be ashamed. That's why in the beginning it say, don't count it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. It says, do not be ashamed because you're suffering on behalf of Christ. You're suffering as your master did. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 21 says, he that overcometh, even as I also overcome, as I also overcame, I shall give to sit with me in my throne. Says to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and I'm set down with my father in his throne. He that has an ear let me or what the spirit says to the churches. So our master suffered, and how our master really identifies with us, his followers, is through the stripes of our sufferings. Okay. So says, For the time is come, the judgment must begin at the house of God. Now, this is very interesting because what it's also saying is that um for the time has come for judgment, okay, and it must begin with God's household. Do you hear that? It says, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Why? And it says, and if judgment begins with us who are in the house of God, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news? And also, if the righteous Baal is saved, what will happen to godless sinners? So it's, it's, it's setting a standard that as Christians, once we are going through sufferings, once we are wearing this badge of honor, once we're partaking in Christ's sufferings, it says that means if God's own, if those who have chosen to believe in God and believe the gospel, the good news, and made Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, if they be barely saved, what will happen to godless sinners? Because it's saying that it's kind of like if the favorite child, um, if the favorite child of the house is also punishable, you know, if the last born can be punished, that means the first born is not exempt, you know, just for for a worldly context. Then it says, wherefore. Let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Okay. So say, so if you're suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. Awesome. Okay. So there is a suffering according to the will of God. Okay, we've established that based on scripture. What next? Let's look at our master's sufferings. Okay. So we will continue from first Peter chapter 5, verse 10. Let's pick up from there as well. In 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 10, it talks about, again, this is more context for suffering. It says, but the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. So, since everything is, we are partakers of the the sufferings of Christ, you can basically say, but the God of all grace, who has called us unto His eternal glory through partaking in Christ's sufferings. Right? And why is that? Because right after that it says, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. So this is the God of all grace. After that you've suffered a while, this God of grace make you perfect, establish you, strengthen, and settle you. So the four outcomes from our sufferings. Perfection, establishment, strengthening, and settling. Okay? Those are some of the outcomes. Or you can call them the fruit after we have suffered a while. It says, make you perfect, establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. It's interesting. So, perfection talks about, you know, completeness, maturity. Christ is complete and we can be in him. We can be complete in him. So in Hebrews, it talks about that he learned obedience through the sufferings that he went through. So since that's the path that he took as his followers, we, to be conformed unto his image, as the scripture says, being conformable unto the image of Jesus Christ, our completeness in him is through these sufferings that That we partake of. However, it says he has tested these sufferings for us. The reason we're able to be complete in him is because it says, the scripture says, he's the author and finisher of our faith. So he has shown us how to do it. So we can have faith that we are able to go through it as well. We can have faith because scripture says I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me our hope should be also the scripture says that God is faithful who will not let us to be tested more than we are able to handle or bear so while you have, uh, after you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish your strength, and unsettle you. The set, the, the the settling, that says settle you. That's that we're not Christians who are up and down. We're not on a soul coaster. Our emotions are not driving us up and down. You know, when it's good news, you're up. When it's bad news, you're down. We're not like a yo-yo. We are not like a yo-yo. We are not like a yo-yo. So that's basically, uh, we can look at that as a summary of, of, of why we go through, you know, after we have suffered a while, there's a, Profit on the other side. Perfection, established, strengthened, and settled. Now, most times, the sudden, these sufferings of Christ, these ones we're just going to have to understand that as Christians, we're going to be partakers of these caps of suffering until basically the second coming back of Christ. So we're going to have to fight. These ones we're not exempted from these sufferings. For instance, the suffering of resistance. This is our suffering. What do we mean, the suffering of resistance? Let's go to James chapter 4, verses 6 to 8. In James chapter 4, first of all, In James chapter 4, verses 6 to 8, it talks about, it says, but he gives more grace. Wherefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. It says, submit yourselves therefore to God, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, one of the category of sufferings that we see Christ going through is the suffering of submission. Oh, that one was huge for him. So we're going to see resistance and submission kind of like, you know, they seem to be in the same neighborhood. It says he gives more grace. Wherefore he says he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Well, how do you become humble? By under through submission. So there's a suffering of submission. We'll get to that. It says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil. What does this even look like? Find out in resistance we are to find out where we're to, first of all what we should be resisting. So some things we're supposed to resist, other things we're supposed to yield to. So let's say sickness. We don't yield to sickness. So, our suffering is in resisting sickness. Resisting sickness is is, 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 is a suffering because the scripture says in 1 Peter 2.24, it says, who his own self bear our sins on his body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. So, when you receive a doctor's report that says you're diagnosed with something, when you feel sickness trying to come on you, to resist that demonic attack, to resist the spirit of infirmity, it takes effort because sometimes that thing that you're resisting it doesn't go away immediately so as Christians we not we don't yield to sickness we don't say you know when sickness is coming at us we don't just kind of lay down and let sickness walk all over us no, no. you resist sickness but resisting sickness it, it, it takes, um, you know, it, there's things that you have to do. For instance, uh, it, it, you know, it says um, death and life and the power of the tongue. Uh, It says you eat from the fruit of your tongue, uh, the power of confession. It says holding fast your confession in Hebrews. Let's let's find that. Because now we're trying to discern what as a Christian, again, this is more of like what cap should you embrace, what cap should you resist. But in Hebrews chapter 10, hmm. Yes, it talks about cast not there, uh, cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Which has great recompense of reward. Huh. Uh, I'm trying to find the one, the scripture that talks about holding the confession of your faith. I believe that is in Hebrews chapter 3. Yes. It says, Wherefore, holy brethren, protectors of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our Profession, but that what, what that is talking about is like confession. And then it says, verse 14, Seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold first our confession. This is hold fast your confession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Okay, so... In resisting the devil, there is a suffering. For instance, uh, let, let's let's talk about how to deal with um, loneliness, anxiety, doubt, fear, all of those things. So that's an attack from the enemy. Okay? And as a Christian, you're supposed to hold serve. Actually, you don't want to hold serve with the devil because... You're supposed to hold your you're supposed to hold your stance because as Christians we fight from victory not for victory so a lot of people when they're going let's say through mental health issues you know especially living in a time where there's a lot of uh, mental illnesses. The primary way in which you resist mental illnesses and attacks to your mind, the battle of the mind. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, casting down, aside from verse 3, it says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Well, how do you do it? It says, you cast down imaginations and every high thing, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ you see so if you're going through how do you resist anxiety how do you resist us a, 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 a false image the world is telling you you're not good enough you're not this you're not that there is a suffering of resistance because you have to resist those thoughts because Satan is just going to keep slinging those darts. He's going to keep bombarding you with, you're not good enough. You should give up. You'll never amount to anything. You're broke. You're, 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 You're not the right size. Maybe you're not tall enough. Maybe you're not thin enough. Maybe you're not beautiful. You'll never amount to anything. He brings all these negative thoughts But the scripture says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So you're supposed to counter every thought because it says, bringing into captivity every thought. So this is something that God does not do for you. You are the one to resist the devil and he will flee from you. You are the one to hold, serve. And sometimes I talk to some people and they're like, they think the battle of the mind is a one day thing. No. Sometimes you have to fight for your mental health for a month. And I'm talking like maybe every other hour, these thoughts are coming back, and you have to counter them, you have to speak back to them. You see, Jesus went around speaking to all situations. What was he doing? He was he was he was resisting. He spoke to the storm. He spoke to different issues. He spoke to to demonic spirits, spirits of infirmity. When you're sick and you can't open your mouth and you feel like you have no strength at all, yet that is your only way out is to start speaking, to start speaking. A thought comes and says you're not good enough, or maybe you're not handsome enough, or maybe you're not tall enough, you're not this. You say, no, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. A thought comes and says you're going to be kicked out. You can't afford to pay this, this, or that. You say, no, my God has said he has supplied all my need according to his riches in glory. Immoral thoughts start to come in, thoughts of fornication, maybe pornographic images start flooding into your mind. Loneliness, doubt, fear. You run to Philippians 4.9 and you have to say these things. Even in a moment of pain, in a moment of discomfort, you are fighting. You're now on the battlefield. You're trying to resist Satan from building a fort in your mind. Basically what's happening is Satan wants to take over your mind and torment you. And drive you crazy so now every thought that is coming in you have to run it you have to run a cross check a a cross check against Philippians 4 8 that says finally brethren whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are honest whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure whatsoever things are lovely whatsoever things are good report if there be any virtue and if there be any praise think on these things it is hard but that's the only way out to protect your mental health you have to counter the attacks of the enemy with scripture you know it says those are call to those are call upon the name of the Lord that shall be saved um, it says for with the heart we believe but with the mouth we speak so your way out of this situation is through speaking and sometimes you have to go lock yourself up in the washroom. Let's say you have to stand up from your work desk and you run to the washroom and you rattle off some scripture against the enemy and say, no, I am not this. I am that. I am not the head. I am not the tail. I am the head. No, I, I'm, I'm, I am. You know, you have to keep countering because the scripture says you resist the devil. God does not resist the devil for us. Nowhere in scripture does it say that God will resist the devil for you. It says you resist the devil because God has given us the weapons. So if you don't use them, then you're bound to suffer defeat. It says with the heart, man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So even if you believe it, but you don't make a confession through your mouth, there's no salvation. Meaning, salvation here, we can look at it as you getting out of the situation that you're in. So you resist. It's unknown because you're like, the natural says this, and your only source of reference, like you're going through something terrible, maybe the doctor's report says something else. And you got to make confession of a hundred scriptures, healing scriptures, and say, no, Satan, I resist this sickness. I, I Cancer, I resist you. Flu, I resist you. Cold, I resist you. Anxiety, I resist you. Fear, I resist you. In the name of Jesus, you just keep on rattling that off. Right? Eventually, Satan backs off. Say, submit yourself to God. Now, before you can resist... There's a the suffering of submission. That's the other problem. Now, the suffering of submission is one that is not very fun. But just to make sure we have that covered, I mean that we, we have fully understood that. What James tells us, he says, we are to resist the devil. That's the suffering of resistance. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The word flee means to run in terror. So we are supposed to resist. Um, The news says the economy is going down. Uh, Housing prices, uh, it's, it's unaffordable. You say, no, 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 no. My God shall supply. And it seems like it's foolish. But remember, God also said that He chooses the foolish things to despise the wise. He uses the weak things to confound the mighty. So, most Christians, as Satan is attacking them, they yield. And sometimes our resistance, sometimes you may have to resist. You know, maybe he may resist Satan for a day and Satan backs off and that thing goes away. But if Satan is still on the battlefield, you have to keep resisting him. You resist the devil. You resist. You stand. You make your confession. You stand on it. Situation gets worse. You hold first your confession. You say, no, I'm not going to give up. I know the word of God is truth, like silver tried seven times. It's pure. So we have to go through this. This is a suffering. It is not easy. The suffering or resistance. When you're not in a position to speak, but you have to speak. Speak. When you have to take a small walk of faith because you believe by his stripes you were healed. And now you have to get out of bed because you've prayed. Okay, now take a step. Take a step forward. You've been feeling a lot of pain in your hand. Someone has prayed for you and you believe you've been healed. Now start rolling that hand. Get the power of God flowing. So we are supposed to do the resisting. That one is ours to do. So we see Christ going through this. When Jesus was being tempted in in the wilderness, on three occasions, it said, He resisted the devil by saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. Now, someone might say, yeah, he was just speaking. And and, uh, first of all, one of the things that the scripture doesn't even tell us how many times he had to use that phrase. We don't know. We're told of the temptation that came, but we're not told of how many times he had to stand there and keep backing Satan off. The suffering of resistance. Jesus had to resist. Temptation as well. resisting the urge to watch pornography that's a resistance that you have to deal with resisting the urge to you know just go out get slum get drunk just get high just do drugs to resist an addiction anyone who's been addicted to anything um, uh, i've spoken to a lot of people who've been addicted to Substance, you know, who have been, you know, substance abuse, who have had that problem. Resisting uh, the urge to take that. That's why some people are not able to break free from addiction is they just can't resist it. They can't fight. They can't hold themselves back. They can't resist pornography. They can't resist cocaine. They can't resist heroin. They can't resist getting drunk. They can't resist marijuana. It, it, it is a suffering because as, as it requires, there's, there's a pressure that comes against you and you have to push it back and not give in and not give in to another uh lewd sexual encounter, and not given to, you know, being sober, and and your thoughts, your mind, your flesh, your skin is saying, do it, do it. I want to get drunk. I want to get high. I I I want to I, I want to sleep around. I I want to do this. I want to sleep with a person. I I want to message her. I want to message him. I want to. And your mind, your flesh is red. It is hot. It is begging. It is saying, Give this to me. And you're saying, No. It is a suffering of resistance. For Jesus to have been blameless, think about it. It says he's not foreign to our infirmities. He was the first man to be tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Why? He was a master of resisting. Jesus was able to resist all temptations that came towards him. It says, For we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, in Hebrews chapter 4, it says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched to the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He did not give in. That's why it says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. And so that's why it says, in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears, unto and him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared, though he was sad, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So we see that Jesus was the first man who showed us the art of resistance that it's possible that it's possible to resist pornography and break from that addiction it is possible not to to resist the shopping habit that is throwing you into credit card debt it is possible to break off that fling that friend with benefits relationship you're you, you, you having in that it's possible when that person messages and says, come over then you said, no, no, I, I told myself, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to give, give in. It takes resistance. It takes resistance to counter the lusts of the flesh because the flesh wants to do these things. So to overcome the carnality Of our nature. It's a a suffering of resistance. And Satan's gonna try and break you. He's gonna try and suggest more and more of these encounters. Are you gonna hold up under the pressure? Are you gonna resist? It's a real suffering, the suffering of resistance. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So it's possible. But this is a suffering that we have to go through. So, I will, I think, leave it at that. Just give you something to think about. But it takes resistance to... Resist. I mean, it's a suffering of resistance that is real. Not having to go on social media if you're addicted, right? Uh, uh, when you talk to people who are addicted to things, man, you don't realize how how hard it is because for me, you know, I'm free right now. Uh, I, I don't have any addictions, but I've had some addictions in the past, but the thing is, when I look at people, I, I know the pain. I, I can remember one point when you're trying to, let's say, in, in the area of sexuality, and you're trying to resist those urges, at some point, it feels it almost feels painful. So when I see someone struggle with that, I'm like, wow, may God give you grace. I know what that feels like. It can feel like this pain, this actual bodily pain. The more you resist not doing that thing, it, it becomes painful. It becomes painful not giving in to that addiction. It's pain. It, it's a resistance, a suffering of a resistance. It's real. So I'm going to close this out by praying for us. Whoever is dealing with a Whoever is having to, you know, whoever needs strength in this area of the suffering of resistance. I'm going to pray for uh, resistance power in whatever you're having to resist. I'm going to pray for you. I want to pray for you. It's real. Jesus was the only person who ever resisted all manner of sin, of temptation. So he broke the barrier. And if Jesus was able to, we just have to ask him for the same grace that uh, that helped him to overcome the wisdom, the knowledge that we may also be able to overcome the suffering. We may be able to endure, to, 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 to deal with the suffering of resistance. We will be able to overcome it and be victors in this category. So let me pray for us quickly. Let me pray for us. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just want to pray for whoever is listening to this podcast. Lord, your word says your grace is sufficient for us. Your strength is made perfect in our weakness. So, Father, I just want to pray in the name of Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ, You are the only man to ever walk on this planet and walk a sinless life. You are the only one who has been tempted in all points like we are, but you came out perfect. You were able to master the art of resistance. You resisted all manner of temptation. When Satan tempted you in the garden, I mean, in the wilderness, you, could have, you were so hungry, you could have turned those stones into bread. But he said, man shall not live on bread alone. Lord, I ask that you help whoever is dealing with any addictions. I pray that the power of Jesus Christ will break all manner of addictions. Lord, I ask that you give whoever is listening the strength to resist. If they're trying to resist addiction, uh, even uh, re- resisting habits of work, being a workaholic, being an alcoholic, uh, resisting the urge to watch pornography, resisting the urge to continue a friends with benefits relationship that requires them to keep giving uh, giving into uh, 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 fornication, uh, resisting the urges of adultery, w- resisting pride, resisting. Uh, People who are dealing with mental health issues, whoever is trying to reclaim their mind back, whoever is trying to resist mental illnesses, whoever is trying to resist fear, whoever is trying to resist anxiety, doubt, uncertainty in their lives. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask that you bless whoever is listening to this. Empower them, equip them, give them the grace to overcome whatever they're trying to resist. Strengthen them, O Lord, that they will be able to be victors give all of us the power that we need to resist the devil that he may flee from us you told us to resist the devil but we know that it is through you that we can do all things I can do all things we can do all things through Christ you who's listening to me you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you so Lord I ask that you will empower whoever is listening to this with the grace of resistance that they will no longer be victims of the wiles of the devil of the enemy the deception the deceits Lord by faith we believe we have received and we pray this in the sweet precious mighty wonderful name of our Lord Jesus Christ amen so we'll leave it at that and pick up from here in the next episode and as always This was Unplugged. We hope this episode blessed your heart. Your host for today was Calvin Kavanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode. Sela!